Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up Rockabilly track. Now sneaking onto the Game Awards stage. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we have a bit of an abbreviated episode due to my technical issues, so I apologize. Uh, but we do also have tons of news stories to get into, uh, especially on the Marvel and DC front and their future plans moving forward. Plus, I have a ton of gaming announcements to talk about from last night's Game Awards. And of course, we're going to be discussing the latest episode of AEW Dynamite. All right. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning potential spoilers for upcoming films and shows ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. Up first, we've got some huge rumors regarding the future plans of DC Studios. According to The Hollywood Reporter and Variety, next week, James Gunn and Peter Safran are to unveil their DC Bible to Warner Bros. Discovery CEO David Zaslov in what should begin the new era of DC films. With that, there have been, you know, some small leaks here and there from insider sources. One of the big stories that came out about the future of DC centered around Patty Jenkins' future Wonder Woman project, as THR claims that the current project is dead. Um, it is rumored that Gunn and Safran, along with some of the Warner Bros. picture chairs, after being, you know, presented Jenkins and Jeff John's script, shot it down, claiming that the project just wouldn't fit in their current plans for the future of the DCU. There was also another rumor that followed up on the potential for a Lobo film as THR also claimed that Aquaman's lead actor Jason Momoa could be done as Arthur Curry after The Lost Kingdom and actually re-picked up by DC Studios to play Lobo going forward. While there hasn't been an official statement, Gunn himself took to Twitter and didn't necessarily say that these were, you know, false rumors. Um, Honestly, he made it sound like everything is still kind of up in the air with all their plans, all due to the fact that they joined a fractitious environment that would need an intense transitional period to create a cohesive story. However, Gunn is excited by creative possibilities to either build upon or create a new version of the DCU. Yeah, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it was something like, some of it's true, some of it's half true, some of it's not true, uh, but we haven't decided whether or not it's true or not. It's pretty much like the greatest non-answer, like in the history of non-answers. <laughs> With that being said, I don't think anyone should be surprised by this. The writing's been on the wall for a long time, and I think a lot of people have just been choosing to ignore it. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about this day one since well before James Gunn was brought in as the new CEO. I mean, we just kind of assumed when they announced the Flashpoint film, they were going to do some sort of reboot for the DCU. Um, while I don't think it's going to be a hard reboot of the universe, I do think you're going to get a reboot of sorts. And listen, like DC, I mean, in the comics, they do this all the time. Like, <laughs> 
So, I mean, this is kind of their thing with their continuity, so it's almost poetic, honestly. I can see a scenario where, like, Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill continue in these roles just with a new, like, backstory. Um, like, you don't need to restart from square one with retelling their origins or anything. You could just give them a fresh coat of paint and choose not to continue their current storylines, at least what we saw them doing the last time in the DCEU. Like, I'm totally fine not acknowledging Wonder Woman 84 ever happened, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Just have us jump in while their stories are already in progress, and we'll play catch up as we go. Audiences nowadays are pretty sophisticated when it comes to this kind of thing now. Um, as long as you give them a compelling, entertaining story, they're not sweating the small details like us nerds do. I think the real issue lies in that, you know, Gunn really can't make a clean break from the DCEU until, like, films like Flash and Aquaman and Shazam come out. He's just kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because... You know, like, you announce this new streamlined vision that's supposed to connect all the dots when it comes to your different mediums, you know, like the video games, uh, the television shows, and the films, uh, and you do that, and all the pre-existing yet-to-be-released content becomes kind of a lame duck that people might not want to pay to see, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe people will come out in droves. But if the story isn't going to go anywhere, I could see a lot of people being turned off by that. Um, you know, and Warner Brothers Discovery at this point can't suffer any more huge losses, especially now that we're hearing that Black Adam wasn't a runaway hit that everyone, you know, kind of thought it was financially. But with that being said, I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to for Gun and Company is trying to keep what works currently in the DC universe on film and maybe trying to recalibrate it so it fits your vision and if it's just not possible then you have to cut bait and get rid of it um that's just the reality of the, the situation uh but I do take exception to them scrapping a potential Batman Beyond film uh, that was the latest story that just came out. It was going to star Michael Keaton and it sounded amazing. So hopefully somewhere down the line they can tell that kind of story because I feel like you could do elsewhere, you know, films. I mean, we're pretty much doing that with the Batman series right now, right? Because that's going to continue on. But anyway, I understand why that would possibly, you know, muddy things up for them. But whatever. I'm not surprised they would cancel that project just because of, you know, money. <laughs> we, we know that they had a lot of financial issues lately because of everything. So that's true. But somewhere down the line, they could pick it uh, up again. Um, I'm holding out hope, whatever. Yeah, I imagine it all could just work out like how we're doing daredevil right now where it's like we have everything before but you just soft reboot it and as you said give it a fresh coat of paint and uh you know we move forward exactly i hope our audiences can understand that at least i think at this point i mean listen how many different timelines have they done in the halloween series alone uh -huh. at this point <laughs> like no one's asking any questions they're just going and enjoying the films right for better or worse. I would at least hope nobody's asking any questions. <laughs> you know, there's one guy that's trying to make it all work yeah, in his like, mind. Yeah, like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> Where's Buster Rhymes? 
<laughs> well, moving on, we've got a release date change for the upcoming Flash film. Looks like Ezra Miller's Flash film will be pushed up from its June 23rd release to a June 16th release, most likely to avoid having to share the box office with Indiana Jones on June 30th. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, as long as it's not getting delayed again, because I got this film has like suffered historic levels of delays. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure Gunn also is happy about this because the sooner this fucking film comes out, the sooner he can just move on uh, and you know start his vision which could possibly be Ezra Free. Well, up next, we've got Marvel Studios reportedly reevaluating its upcoming Phase 5 and 6 slate to refocus on quality over quantity. With the return of Bob Iger, big changes are happening all over Disney and Marvel, especially after the middling response Marvel fans gave to Phase 4 of the MCU. The current slate of the Marvel projects in general are being reevaluated and refocused to push more you know, of that quality over quantity according to sources over at the Cosmic Circus. These sources claim that the outside criticism of recent projects has actually been heard behind the scenes as well, with Marvel Studios employees having complained over the lackluster visual effects and recent script issues. And in order to kind of stop this from spreading into the next two phases, Disney may delay or even cancel some upcoming projects altogether. Disney themselves have come out with a fiscal report claiming that they would be coming out with, you know, 40 projects across TV and film in the next few years. But this is actually something that we had learned about earlier this year when they said that they'd be coming out with 50 projects in the upcoming year, meaning that 10 have already been shelved. So clearly there are some big moves happening behind the scenes, and I wouldn't get too comfortable with the current Marvel slate until we learn a little bit more about what's coming up in the next few phases. So I know some people were acting like the sky was falling with this news, and I get it. I mean, after they just announced the schedule for the next three phases a couple months back, now it looks like we could see more reshuffling of plans and maybe some projects getting axed. And that does suck, but I do think the idea of quality over quantity isn't a bad thing. And while for the most part, I've enjoyed phase four, but it's definitely been a difficult transitional chapter for some Marvel fans, especially considering we just came out of the epic climax of over 10 years of storytelling with Infinity and Endgame. So it feels like Foggy has had to slow things down and pump the brakes to introduce new heroes to the universe. Um, so in turn, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of connective tissue right now, and that overarching narrative that we previously had but you know at the same time like whenever you're resetting the table you have to be patient especially doing it on this scale there's people out there saying that the mcu now is directionless and these films and series aren't about anything and i think that's just a lazy bad faith argument that shows either you're not paying attention or you're just taking a piss because i mean the theme across the board really when it comes to all these films and series have been grief and legacy like overwhelmingly um you know we're seeing like how everything that happened in the previous phases is really influencing this universe now uh but with that being said they did at times you know with this phase feel like they bit off more than they could chew and 
had to cut some corners in the rush, all in the name of getting content out, especially when it came to the Disney Plus series. Um, they were giving us shows at a pretty breakneck pace for a while. And I think the effects and the stories, because of episode restraints, started to suffer because of it. And don't get me wrong, I loved a lot of these series, but could they have used a little bit more polished and a couple more passes, you know, draft-wise in the writing room? Absolutely. Um, I want all these characters' stories to be seen and, you know, for them to get their moment in the sun with Disney Plus just being the perfect you know, vehicle to deliver that. But if you're going to do it, like, do it right. I want these characters to get the full MCU treatment. And if that means we only end up getting a handful of really kick-ass, well-done series a year, along with the usual, like, film releases, that's totally fine with me. Because in the long run, flooding us with mediocre content is going to take away that can't-miss-it factor from the MCU. And in turn, it's going to just burn out your fan base, which none of us want. I mean, think of it this way. Uh, it gives you something to live for, you know, even further knowing that these projects are something that they want to work on in the future. It's it's OK if they slow down a bit and we get a little bit less content, uh, you know, every year, even though, you know, as a show, I would want them to pump out as much as possible. But that's just on our end, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, like if the if it all sucks, then what's exactly. the point? <laughs> Like, put out quality content. Like, mm -hmm. you know, take your time. Do these stories right. I mean, God forbid, we don't want, like, a DC Studios situation. You know, yes. where they have to, like, reboot the whole fucking franchise. And it's also good to know that they're actually listening to criticism rather than, like, you know, fuck everything everyone's saying. Yeah. Like, we just need to keep making money, you know? Exactly. Well, with that being said, we've got some casting news for a series I pray to God Marvel doesn't cut. Uh, and that is Daredevil Born Again. What's Daredevil without a few romantic interests in Matt Murdock's life? Deadline claims that Margarita Laviva from The Deuce alongside Sandrine Holt from Better Call Saul are on to play some potential love interests for Charlie Cox as Daredevil. No word on who they would actually be playing in the series, but both have played roles in courtroom and crime dramas, so they both seem like easy fits for a Daredevil series. Daredevil is currently set for a spring 2024 release. I mean, Matt is quite the ladies man in the comics, so be kind of cool to see them explore that side of the character which i don't think they really like dived into that much in the netflix series so well up next we have a story that will surely make christian happy uh we have an update on a possible alita battle angel sequel been a long time since we've talked anything about you know alita battle angel on the show but you know my eyes definitely widened when i saw reports floating around about producer john landu hinting at a potential sequel landu who had currently been working with james cameron on avatar the way of water in an interview with deadline claimed that they would be interested in going back to alita 
and have even been in talks with director Robert Rodriguez about making that happen. In a similar fashion to what we saw with the first film, it was delayed because of their work on Avatar, because actually that first film was picked up in 2003 and didn't come out till like, what, 2019? So it would be interesting to see if they're able to do another Alita film between, you know, Avatar Productions. All right. Also, it looks like we have an update for the upcoming Ghostbuster Afterlife sequel. Sony announced that there will be a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife with the original cast returning. However, director Jason Rittman would not be. Instead, director of the 2015 remake of Poltergeist, Gil Kennan, would be on to direct. Production is reported to start in early 2023 with hopes of making it for their set release date of December 20th, 2023, which to me seems a little early if they haven't begun production yet, but who knows. Well, moving on, it looks like Mike Flanagan is developing Stephen King's The Dark Tower as a series. Intrepid Pictures Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy are currently developing Stephen King's The Dark Tower into a series. And even though we just talked about Flanagan and company moving to Amazon last week, Amazon actually hasn't greenlit this project according to Fangoria. Flanagan when talking with Deadline actually said that he has plans for a five season and two film project all for The Dark Tower. People of course have given nothing but praise to Mike Flanagan's work with Stephen King projects in the past so we'll see how this plays out. They have literally been working on a Dark Tower adaptation and trying to figure out the best way to do it for years, if not decades. I mean, with the film that came out a couple years ago being such a failure, I'm, I'm surprised that they would want to tackle it this soon. Um, but there's no one more perfect than Mike Flanagan to do so. He's kind of like the new Frank Darabont, really. Um, I love Dr. Sleep and I just, I feel like it didn't get its just due, unfortunately. So hopefully people are discovering it now. And it's funny, even like Flanagan's original series feel like Stephen King adaptations. <laughs> so he really has King's voice down. So there's no one more perfect to crack the code when it comes to the Dark Tower. And if he has a vision for it, let him have at it. Last but not least, we've got some casting news for Saw 10. Looks like more dead characters will return in Saw 10 as Shawnee Smith, best known for her role as Amanda Young, one of Jigsaw's apprentices, is coming back to join Tobin Bell. The film is currently slated for October 27th, 2023. So I love Shawnee and the Amanda character, uh, but with her being casted, it definitely sounds like this is going to be either like an in-between quill or... You know, her and Tobin are just being brought back for flashback scenes. And at this point, the story is so convoluted. I just I want them just to reboot things. I was really holding out hope that, you know, we would start afresh and, you know, Tobin would be back as Jigsaw proper. Um, and we, you know, just get a fresh start for the whole franchise, which I feel like it deserves to keep on moving on and not to be like weighed down by all its weird continuity <laughs> so i don't know it it's bittersweet like i'm happy that we're gonna see shawnee again but at the same time I don't know if it's what I want for the series. Honestly, at this point, I'm just waiting for them to cast Shia LaBeouf as Tobin Bell's kid. You know, oh, in this? God. And that being the next <laughs> Jigsaw. Like he passes the, uh, he, it, we, we have a whole elaborate scene where he picks up the pig mask at the end. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> only, only for them to forget about it, and you know, ten years oh, yeah. later, the next sequel. Absolutely. <laughs> and then it could star as you know, God, Goddaughter, whatever, <laughs> whatever Indiana Jones is doing. All right, Christian. This week we actually got a full trailer for the upcoming season of Bad Batch. The Empire is growing stronger. We should be doing more. You want to really be free? Then pull off this heist, and you can have a future. Rumors are more and more clones have been questioning the order. Then they are traitors like the Jedi. All right, so we're not going to do a full breakdown or anything, but I think the biggest thing that stood out to me in this trailer, besides the Bad Batch, somehow still in ha- still having to pay off their debt to fucking Sal, uh, <laughs> is the return of Cody, who we see interacting with Crosshair. Um, you know, the fact that he mentions also that more and more clones are now taking issue with the Empire, I think is interesting. Um, like, first of all, this is the first time we've seen Cody like post order 66 yeah i was Um, gonna ask did we see him get old or not but i don't remember if he was part of that group no he doesn't show up in rebels it's uh rex gregor and wolf i think but yeah i mean it looks like he's still loyal to the empire which is interesting uh i'm wondering you know after hearing his dialogue with crosshair if he's starting to have doubts though because they could really like play with those strong parallels between him and crosshair um you know, seeing how loyal both of them are to, you know, the cause. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like Cody didn't flinch, you know, a second or bat an eye, like, you know, when it came to Order 66. Not one bit. <laughs> yeah, he just like, you know, ordered the death of his, you know, close pal, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So um, I mean, you could argue that just because he wasn't the one shooting, maybe, you know, it, it wasn't as hard for him to make that choice. But I, don't I know. guess he still gave the order. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that absolves him. Um, we don't know if there was a teardrop underneath that helmet i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i have my doubts man like rex definitely held out you know Uh, but no not not cody but yeah when it comes to crosshair we know that he now has free will and he's choosing on his own to stay you know loyal to the imperials so like is it kind of the same deal with cody here because it, it feels like a lot of the other clone troopers are starting to kind of come out of that, like, Order 66, like, uh, haze um, and come to their senses. I'm just wondering if that's what we're going to end up getting with Cody's arc here. Um, otherwise, we see Echo basically telling Hunter it's time to do more when it comes to the Empire since they're getting more, you know, powerful by the day. Um, you know, we've seen that you know hunter has been definitely reluctant uh you know throughout last season but now that they've lived longer in this galaxy controlled by the empire and probably seen like numerous like atrocities committed by them you would think that it wouldn't be so difficult you know to convince hunter that it's time you know to do something about it and i get it like i think part of the reason why he's so reluctant is you know, he doesn't want to put Omega in harm's way, but that mm. doesn't stop him from, like, taking her on, like, numerous adventures, you know, and jobs for fucking Sal. So <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty lame reason, you know, not to fight for the cause. 
and maybe over this season we'll definitely see him you know loosen up on that in general yeah and jesus christ like get her some fucking armor already <laughs> like she's running with her bow and arrow and all she has is this little fucking helmet on uh -huh. while these guys are fully fucking suited up like come on <laughs> uh Otherwise, we see uh, Gungi, the Wookiee Padawan, make an appearance, sparking up, you know, his lightsaber. Um, I'm wondering if that's just like a cameo or, if, you know, he's going to like join the team. What do you think? I think he's going to die. That's my uh, <laughs> I think that's assumption. what you want to happen, Christian. I don't want you it to happen. Fuck. <laughs> what did Gungi ever do to you? <laughs> Nothing, but most of the Jedi don't get to survive. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. I'm wondering if they run into any other, like, Padawans on their way, you know, during missions. So, I mean, who knows? Um, you know, one, you know, uh, former Jedi we might see is Ahsoka. We know that they're going to be going on a mission for Rex, it seems like. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that Rex is back. Um, you know, do you think they cross paths with Ahsoka, though? It's very possible. I just, do you feel like they're overusing Ahsoka nowadays, or do you, are you just not getting enough? I'm fine. Like, give me all the Ahsoka. I'm totally fine <laughs> with it. I mean, and I, I think most fans would be okay with it. It's not like mm. she has multiple series going on at once right now. She's just making the, you know, occasional cameo here and there. Um, mm. And I could also see her popping up to sell you on like the upcoming Ahsoka series too, right? So, um, but I don't know. I I'm totally fine with it. Do you have an issue with it? I don't have an issue. I just fear, I'm just like, wow, they're really putting her in just about everything at this point. Well, okay. So post, you know, prequels, who's the biggest character that Star Wars has created? Probably Ahsoka. So, I mean, it makes sense, right, mm -hmm. for her to be featured. I mean, she's not, like, part of the regular cast, so I don't mind a brief cameo. It was also set up in the first season. That's where it felt like it was going, yes. like they were going to run into her, so it makes sense. Yes, 100%. So, also, lastly, something I wasn't expecting to get out of this trailer or, you know, this season was an appearance by the Emperor, uh, who we see, you know, in the Senate. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, do you think the batch actually like draws the attention of palpatine or like is this somehow like them just crossing paths with them on some kind of like mission i think it's more of a crossing paths type of situation i also feel like it might be a subplot to whatever's going on with like bail organa uh because we see a shot of him and then right after that we see a shot with someone wearing similar clothes on a speeder like falling down i was wondering if he's like on some type of mission of his own and if they're in the Senate, I mean, perhaps we get an appearance by uh, Mom Mothma. Because technically, right, this takes place before Andor. So we could really see what, you know, causes her to, like, take up the rebellion um, and how that starts to form. Like, how involved is she with them at this point? It would be crazy to see them do a mission for Luthen in this series. You could get an appearance by Luthen. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um... I mean, if you think about it, we, we did see Saul last season, so mm -hmm. why not Luthen? Although I could see Luthen definitely be, like, apprehensive about trusting, like, clones. Mm -hmm. Oh, he would use them as just, like, disposable tools, oh, for yes. sure. Put like, them on the dangerous mission Like he uses possible. everyone. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I just don't know if he would trust them with his cause, though. Like, you yes. know, mm -hmm. like, he barely trusts the, like, you know, the closest around him. So I can't imagine him trusting some you know, defective clothes. 
But anyway, I'm excited. I mean, this season is less than a month away. So, I mean, even with the delays, it still feels like it kind of snuck up on us. Yeah, it's coming out January 4th next year. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey you, got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NERDSHOW for 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high and tight. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin safe technology. No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. All right, folks, strap in. This week was the 2022 Game Awards with Jeff Keighley delivering another grand celebration in gaming. Per usual, the event was filled with new game announcements and trailers to go along with its award ceremony. And we're going to go over all the ones I felt were at least mentioning from the show. Announced earlier this week, Jedi Survivor gave its first gameplay trailer at the Game Awards. Our hero Cal Kestis has returned, though he looks like he's been through some serious shit since the end of the first game. This game is taking a five-year jump from where we left off and will put Cal in an even darker time of the Empire's control. Cameron Monaghan, in an interview with IGN after the Game Awards, stated that Cal would be you know, kind of lost as he doesn't know what to do during these desperate times. And he also said to IGN to expect a more weathered and mature version of Cal in the upcoming game. My overall impressions of the footage shown off was absolutely positive. I mean, how could you not get excited when you see Cal's force abilities at play, giving you control to really mess up these stormtroopers in whatever playstyle you prefer? Being able to separate the double-bladed lightsaber now and actually dual wield seems to add a lot of cool new moves for Kestis, along with a cross-guarded lightsaber. Looks like a heavy attack player's, you know, 
wet dream. Not much could be derived about the story from this trailer, but you get a good feeling of dread going across the scenes that really, you know, has me curious for what kind of journey we will be going on. Um, Jedi Survivor is set for March 17th, 2023. In a bittersweet moment, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League gave us a terrifying update as you will be fighting an infected version of the Batman who is officially confirmed to be voiced by Kevin Conroy in his last performance as the Dark Knight. I'm super interested in hearing Conroy play an evil Batman in the game, but also delighted that we you know, even got this opportunity to have him voice another Rocksteady game as the iconic character before his passing. Suicide Squad comes out May 26th, 2023. Sticking with comic book game adaptations, we got a reveal trailer for Hellboy Web of Weird that showed off its comic book accurate art style, which definitely made it stand out in appearance amongst a lot of these games. No word on a release date just yet, but it will be available on current gen and last gen consoles along with PC and Switch. A horror game that really caught my eye this year was Post Trauma and its reveal trailer. The game gave off heavy, heavy Silent Hill 2 vibes, along with Resident Evil's fixed camera angles as well. You'll play as Roman, a 57-year-old who finds himself in a hostile place searching for a way back home to his family. Uh, the game is classified as survival horror and one I'm going to be keeping an eye on going forward. No date just yet. Finally, there was an update on Replaced, a game that was originally set for 2022, I believe, but at the Game Awards, we got a new trailer showing off that this beautiful side-scroller will be coming later during 2023. Though no hard date was actually announced, I was just happy to see anything from it. You know, the art style and gameplay really just speak to me with how they're using the foreground and background in such unique ways. There was also an announcement for a sequel to Hades, Supergiant's super successful top-down action game. We'll have you playing as Milanoi, Princess of the Underworld, an immortal witch with powerful magical abilities as we saw on display in the trailer. It seems she's going after the Titan of Time, Kronos, who has escaped the Underworld. Again, as someone who isn't typically a fan of top-down games, Hades is one that I have consistently wanted to try out. It just looks like a really good time and is highly praised by its critics and fans alike. No official date just yet, but it's said to be coming out sometime in 2023. Up next, we have the creators of Bioshock Ghost Story Games unveiling their newest title, Judas, that looks like a very souped up version of Bioshock. You'll play as Judas, a mysterious and troubled person who will have to either make or break alliances with your worst enemies to survive. It is again another dual-wielding story driven shooter that will have you balancing weapons with your powered abilities and i'm already excited to see you know just how many abilities there are going to be no date announced yet but it's coming to all current gen platforms except switch in a completely different genre of games, we had fighting games really taking center stage with Street Fighter 6 and Tekken 8 really holding my attention and making me want to get back into fighting games, even though I'm not the best at them. Um, you know, it's been a little while since I played Tekken 7, and it was one of my favorite fighting games alongside, you know, most of the Mortal Kombat games. I've never really been a big Street Fighter fan, though, but this one really seems, you know, very interesting to me. I know Street Fighter V had a very weak, you know, launch, but it made it up to its fans, it seems, over the years. 
all in all, the story elements of Tekken 8 as well also seem very interesting, and I want to know what's going on in that universe. I've always just been a massive Tekken fan. Uh, both games are set for 2023 with no hard dates just yet. Boulder's Gate 3, which is a game I haven't gotten a chance to really talk about yet here on the show, officially showed an August release for 2023. For those unaware, it's basically like a D&D simulator, but boy is it a well-made one. After having actually tried and spent a few hours in the beta version, I'm excited for this fantasy game with a ton of player choice to come out. Over on the PS5, Aloy is coming to LA in the Horizon Forbidden West DLC, Burning Shores. That showed the Hollywood sign actually getting destroyed. I plan on starting Forbidden West myself soon on stream, so stay tuned for that. Um, the DLC, however, is set for April 19th, 2023. There was also a game called Banisher's um, Ghost of New Eden that reminded me a lot of The Witcher 3 from its you know, very small trailer. Set for release at the end of next year, it's an action RPG that claims to have you know, decision-based gameplay as you hunt down ghosts. Honestly, the entire presentation just overall looked like a Witcher experience, something I would see coming from CD Projekt Red. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye out on more information for you all as we get into 2023. But all right, one more that caught my eye was um, the Crime Boss Rocket City game that seems to be, you know, starring just about every crime film star of the 80s and 90s. I mean, fuck, it even has uh, Danny Glover, who you know is too damn old for this shit. And of course, Texas Walker Ranger himself, Chuck Norris, will be playing Chuck Norris. <laughs> it's described as a stealth action first-person shooter where you will work to become a crime lord in a 90s Florida. Um, it looks awesome, it sounds awesome, and at least it looks like something unique from you know games like GTA and Saints Row that have been the kind of cornerstone of the crime game genre as of late. Um, this is set for release March 28th, 2023. And the last trailer I'm going to mention here today, even though there's still a ton left that I haven't even talked about um, is going to be a Cyberpunk's Phantom Liberty DLC trailer that featured more Keanu Reeves and surprisingly the entry of Idris Alba into the game. Alba will be playing Agent Solomon Reed for the NUSA and will be our confidant in missions ahead. While most details are still under wraps for this DLC, it's at least starting to feel larger and larger with each reveal that comes out. So we'll definitely be checking it out on release. But yeah, all in all, 2020 is shaping up to be a big year in gaming you know we know that xbox right now is trying to make up for its lack of first party titles so there's going to be an explosion of new games in the upcoming year i personally was satisfied with elden ring winning game of the year from software never misses but we would love to hear your thoughts on what you thought would have been game of the year from this event you know you can you can hit us up at amazing nerd show on our socials and of course, if you want to stick more to the stream side of things, you can hit up at Amazing Nerd Live as well for all the Twitch updates. Um, I will be announcing my game of the year during the uh, show's yearly roundup, so stay tuned for that as well, coming either late December or early January. Speaking of the Game Awards and Twitch, it was announced that a Forspoken demo was to be released this weekend, so I'm going to be going live with that this Saturday when the episode drops, and then we're gonna be continuing on with God of War Ragnarok, along with starting High on Life um, this Monday when it releases on Game Pass. So stop by and say hi, we're live every single Saturday through Tuesday. Enough of gaming, let's move on to some wrestling. I should have expected a fifth-rate Roddy Piper wannabe to come out here and try to steal the spotlight. Oh, 
You trash the city. Oh, you trash the people. Hey, how much more stick do you got? Because the low-hanging fruit is running dry, partner. Now, every single week, you come out here, you smell like paint thinner and ass. You spray tan, you spray tan your eczema. If you took your shirt off, your back would look like you laid in an ant pile for seven hours. You've got some crappy shoes on. It's never ironed. The shirt is too small. The shitty scarf and the terrible ass haircut. And you think that you're better than one? Give me a break. Erkerson, so like we said at the top of the show, due to technical issues, we're kind of crunched on time. Uh, but we did want to talk some AEW Dynamite this week. Uh, but we're just going to focus on highlights and lowlights. So, uh, Christian, we'll start with you, man. What was your highlight of the night? It would probably have to be the FTR versus um, the acclaimed match that we got for free on television. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, it was a fantastic match, but it felt mm-hmm. a little like shotgun booking, um, even though it was announced last week before the ratings came out. So like, I don't know. It was weird. Like I'm not mad at it because it was a fantastic match, but it almost felt like they were trying to get it out of the way for me, you know, before maybe the ROH pay-per-view where, you know, we found out that they're going to be facing off against the Briscoes uh, in a dog collar match. And I just, I can't foresee them like beating the Briscoes three times in a row. So I think they could buy, mm-hmm. like they could be possibly dropping those ROH tag titles to them. So I'm wondering if Khan wanted to at least, you know, play into people's dream scenarios where, you know, they FTR at least has a shot at becoming like, you know, the quadruple crown, you know, champions or how many, I don't even know how many belts they have at this point. <laughs> I think yeah, that would be four, right because they're yeah. the triple crown right now because they got the new Japan uh, titles, uh, the AAA and um, ROH. So yeah, it'd be it'd be four fucking tag titles, Jesus. Uh, so I'm wondering if like he was just like, okay, well I've got to at least give you know the people this match or you know people lose their fucking minds. Well, and they've been number one contender for like how long? Yeah, and haven't had. But the it's match, like you. So. And the only thing, once again, I can point to is the ROH pay-per-view for, you know, pulling the trigger on this, because otherwise, like, why wouldn't you wait for uh winner's coming? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's your next big event. So you would think this would be a huge draw. And like I said, it wasn't shotgun booking really, because like they didn't know the ratings, you know, when they made this announcement. So actually they were coming off good ratings uh, for their, you know, uh, pre Thanksgiving show. So I I don't know. It's it's weird, but it was it was a fantastic match. I mean, Bowens is just hitting on all cylinders right now. Like mm-hmm. like he's like gone to that next level, you know, for me. Um, you know, he's someone in there who I feel like is just you're guaranteed to get a good match of out of like, you know, every time out now at this point. Like he can hang with like the bigger stars in the industry. So, um, yeah, I mean, the acclaim has come a long way. I, I'm not mad at, you know, them losing the match. I'm happy that it was a clean finish because um, I was worried that it was going to be a situation where, like, the ass boys or something like that would come out. And, yeah, like, interfere. yeah, cost of the match or we'd have hijinks and that would be setting up a match 
for the ROH pay-per-view. Because God knows, like, I'm fine with the ass boys, but I don't need, like, this match, you know, between the acclaimed and, you know, FTR, this dream scenario match, to just be a catalyst to get a feud between, like, FTR and the ass boys going. So, um, I was I was fine with this match, honestly. Um, and the crowd was white hot. Like, all my, oh, I mean, the yeah. Texas crowd was fantastic. You have to imagine they were thinking the title change was happening, though. You know, that entire Do match. Because th- I was. Really? I was expecting it to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the, the acclaim's been, like, so over right now mm-hmm. that while I understand wanting to, like, you know, make FTR, you know, this monster of a tag team and giving them like the honor of being the quadruple crown champions and the belt collectors. <laughs> like at the same time, I don't know, it'd be kind of short-sighted to undercut like mm. the momentum that the acclaim has like going for themselves right now. Um, and not that I don't think they need the belt to be over, but I don't know. I, I feel like it would almost, you know, take the air out of the arena to see the acclaim suffer such a big loss because they haven't had the belts for that long. Like if this was maybe like, you know, a couple months out, I could see it happening. But right now it just feels a little too soon. Like really they've only worked like one big program with a uh, Swerve to our glory and that's it. So I just want to see a little more out of their run. And then we know like right now after uh, Dax did this interview um, with Fightful that we don't know what the future holds for FTR in AEW because their contract supposedly is up this spring. So Dax seemed like they were kind of like, you know, kicking around the idea of taking a year off from like TV wrestling um, and just kind of like doing what they want to on the independent scene. Um, And if you're Tony Khan, like, are you going to feature a team that might not be with you, you know, in a couple months out and, who might not re-sign with you, you know, after that year, you know, break. So I could understand why he would be a little reluctant to, you know, hand them this huge moment with their titles, you know, and invest in them storyline-wise if Mm. they might not be around. Can't keep them as the top guys forever, I guess. I guess, but it feels like we never really truly got a huge run from them either at the same time. And what was it? They said that the a bunch of their storyline got cut because of Punk yeah. um, being yeah, out during um, injury? I guess they were going to become a trio together. And that was right before the trio titles were going to get introduced. So, I mean, if you mm. think about it, when um, Punk won the belt the first time, I believe it was double or nothing um ftr was out there celebrating with him um and they had like the tag match with punk uh right when he got injured so like right before the match the (laughs) jumped to the crowd and broke his fucking foot so um yeah so they definitely had plans in store you know for them really the whole punk situation screwed so many different like facets of AEW up at this point um, you know, they, they're still trying to recover. I just hope for a better year next year. Uh, we, we have storylines. I mean, I feel like we have a roster where even if like your big star goes away, you should be able to fill up yeah. everything, you know, fine. No, like I felt like there should have been still a story for FTR, even with, 
you know, punk gone. Mm. But well, and that's the issue. I think they almost have too big of a roster, right? Like mm-hmm. you can you have plenty of people where you can reshuffle the deck and plug people in if you lose a star here and there. And we've seen them actually be successful in doing that, but it feels like at times there's so many wrestlers that they end up getting lost in the shuffle. There's not enough follow-up with, you know, certain stars and they need to be featured more. I'm looking at you, Miro. Um, it's in like Khan isn't utilizing his extra hour TV every week with Rampage. Mm-hmm. You know, for some reason he books it like a C show when there's no fucking B show, right? Like there's no excuse for not be able to put marquee matches on with the rest of your roster that weren't on Dynamite that week. Like he's just like it feels like he's hoarding all that talent in case he wants to use them on Dynamite ratings wise, but now we've seen Rampage been just been like completely diminished plummeting to the point where it's just it's you know it's missable tv and that's the exact opposite of what you want um you know even though he keeps on promising you know to almost like reboot it every you know couple months and like oh i'm gonna start to invest in it and we're gonna put on bigger matches and put on stars that draw and everything like that it's like that's great like if you just give us a consistent like tv product you know, that we know that we could turn on and see, you know, fantastic matches every week. I think people would do so. But like Orange Cassidy versus fucking um, QT Marshall, th- that's not doing that. Right. I love Orange, you know, but QT Marshall does not belong in your main event. You know, no. <laughs> so like there's no reason why like Roosh and, you know, Andrade, Miro, you know, if they're not in main storylines, give them fucking, you know, sub storylines on Rampage. We've seen that work prior. So, I mean, there were, we went years with SmackDown being a B show, uh, you know, over in WWE. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of those mid-card storylines would play out, you know, on that show. There's no reason why you can't, you know, use that template to at least, you know, peak interest in Rampage. You know, and give your wrestlers more of an opportunity to, like, showcase their talents every week so people don't forget about them. And talent isn't getting disgruntled with their lack of exposure and TV time. No, that was supposed to be a highlight, uh, <laughs> but we went, we went down a dark path there. I blame it all on you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> David, what was one of your highlights from this week? Well, it was definitely also the acclaimed in FTR, even though it, at uh-huh. the end of the day, it didn't sound like that. Um, but uh, my big highlight of the night was Ricky Stark's star-making performance, um, you know, during his promo battle with MJF. Um you know, I think I made the comment last week where I, I felt like Starks possibly has lost some confidence or was having mm-hmm. a difficult time finding like his character as a babyface because something just felt off with his like backstage segment, um, you know, on that show where like this week I'm singing a completely different <laughs> And I'm like, strap this guy up, (laughs) (laughs) sign him to extent to an extension, give him a bonus, whatever he needs, Um, because I really felt like this was, you know, like I said, a star making performance by him. Like when MJF came out after the Battle Royal, which I still not 
not a huge fan of, you know, everything surrounding the AEW diamond ring, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but that being said, like they got to where they needed to go and they made it a little more clear exactly how the stipulation was going to, you know, pan out, um, which is, I guess, Starks is going to face MJF not only for the title, but also for the ring at Winter's Coming. So it's going to be a two-for-one deal. Um, I don't know what the point is, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, when I heard MJF's music cut off Starks, I was like, oh my god, what the hell is all this about? And then MJF gets in the ring, gets on the mic, and kind of ignores Starks at first. It addresses, you know, Brian Danielson. I was like, oh my god, you're already making Starks feel second rate you're you know mm-hmm. you're showing that you don't take starks as ser- as a serious challenger by basically starting another feud while he's in the fucking ring with you uh and then like he gets on the mic and just eviscerates stark you know calling him uh pebble or you know a dollar store rock and everything and mm-hmm. i was like oh my god he's burying this dude what the fuck Um, but that was not the case at all. Starks, you know, takes it all with stride, doesn't flinch, shoulders, uh, MJF, you know, on the way to grabbing the mic and then just goes on a fucking tirade, (laughs) just breaking down, you know, MJF, you know, to the very like fiber of his, you know, being MJF sold it like a true heel is supposed to you know um he didn't sit there and try to get like you know the last word he didn't like sit there and you know have to like step on his promo by you know coming up with a witty comeback um he just laid out and allowed himself to get completely wrecked in you know the ring um, you know, by Starks, allowing him to shine, which is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that, you know, someone like Britt Baker doesn't do, you know, half the time. You know, it feels like she's constantly, you know, while her promos are great, it feels like she's constantly burying her opponent on the mic and not really allowing them a chance to get over. Um, that wasn't the case with MJF here. Um, you know, so he definitely deserves some credit. Uh, but yeah, no, Starks was an assassin. And yeah, his promo wasn't as clean and like well rehearsed as other promos we've heard in the past, um, promos that we've heard from MJF. But that's what made it feel more like raw and real um, and more just authentic. Like it was actually coming from him, you know, in the moment. Um, and I think that's what truly got it over like the passion that he was like delivering mm. in um yeah i i thought it was an amazing he had some great lines in there too and you could tell that was the fact because the crowd was really responding to it and i know like texas is kind of like a de facto home for starks but i think this promo would have gotten over anywhere you know across the nation so um but i i thought they played the segment perfectly uh, with MJF's response, which was just a kick to the balls, you know, like, you know, he felt outwitted almost and he had to respond physically, um, you know, which is what bullies do. Um, but then like giving Starks that comeback moment with that 
fucking With the beautiful yeah. gif ready spear <laughs> <laughs> they had to fucking practice that thing. Max like kicking off his shoes as he gets fucking speared. <laughs> it's just, just perfect. Like it was so fucking perfect. It's it, it's gonna be a fucking moment that AEW needs to highlight for years to come. Um, so I I don't know. Like like I said, I felt like it was like really the arrival of Ricky Starks and seeing him like live up to his full potential you know, finally, like, feels like definitely a highlight of the night for me. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there was definitely some worry at the end of that uh, Hobbs feud, like what they were going to do with Starks, if they were actually going to get him up to a position where he could go for a well, title. And here's you know? the thing, like, you know, I guess he was injured and they didn't disclose that. So right away, like when you do yes. that. You feel like, you know, you're putting heat on the company because you feel like, why aren't you using him? You like you're starting and stopping once again with another talent. And he had this big win against Hobbs and then he disappeared for weeks and everyone was kind of like, what's going on? Like Hobbs was, you know, back on screen, you know, and he was the one who lost. But Ricky was nowhere to be seen. Um, It's okay to disclose injuries unless the talent, like for some reason, doesn't want you to. Like, I, I understand, like, HIPAA and everything like that, but if your talent's giving you the okay to say, no, I was injured here, like, do an angle or something like that to explain it storyline-wise, but, you know, keep his presence fresh in the audience's mind to let you know he is returning soon. You know, it's something to look forward to and that we haven't just forgotten him. Because, I mean, that is a big, you know... M- critique of AEW right now like once again is you know wrestlers get lost in the shuffle and i will say it is a concern with me with winter's coming because i don't foresee you know starks beating mjf here but Mm -hmm. i'm just worried about how they follow up you know with this big match for starks like i want him to stay in at least or around the main event picture like he needs to be featured weekly on your show or one of your shows um you know because a lot of times we've seen other wrestlers get these big like title opportunities and then they're just you know gone and we don't see them for months i mean fucking lance archer right (laughs) that's like kind of like his mo like he all sudden comes out of nowhere gets a title shot loses and then he disappears until like you know they need someone else to be a contender right um, so I don't know, man, I, like I'm excited, but I'm a little like ap- apprehensive at the same time because we've kind of seen this scenario play out mm-hmm. before and it's not always to the benefit of the talent at the end of the day. Cause I mean, even right now I'm trying to think who else is featured, right? Like that he could go up against after MJF, uh, just to even, you know, have a storyline and Joe, I, maybe I, I can't think of Joe, I mean, put him in the TNT title picture. Like I'm okay with that. Um, as long as he's featured or just, you know, restart mm-hmm. things between him and Hobbs. I'm fine with that also. So, I mean, you don't have to have a belt featured in every fucking program. No, so, yeah. I mean, it's just good storytelling. Like, you know, figure out a story for Starks. He deserves it. You know, he it's what fans deserve. He should be featured weekly on your show. Like, once again, you know, this is how you make fucking stars. <laughs> We got to see them to actually, like, get invested in them. Tony, if you're listening, this is a perfect time to bring Miro uh-huh. back and have him go up against Yes. Oh, my God. That'd be amazing, <laughs> right? 
Um, dark question. Well, before we go, let's do one low light because I feel like we've, you know, even though they were supposed to be highlights, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag, you know, right now because we, you know, it's just our nature to bring out, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> the the possible negative scenarios that you know could happen. So it is what it is. Um, we are who we are. Uh, what was your low light of the night? It would probably have to be the extremely confusing and weird promo from William Regal. I think the reaction that the Blackpool Combat Club had after this promo was perfect, which was just not to even acknowledge it. Like they <laughs> just like they cut back to Moxley and Cesaro and you know Wheeler in the ring, and they're just kind of like shrugging, like what and. You know, Moxley no, just it, moves on because like, it, uh-huh. it looked like they were literally saying what the fuck yeah. in the ring while it, happening. it like, went over like a fart in church, like with the crowd. Uh-huh. Too. I was like, this is the most convoluted, contrived like reasoning I've ever heard. And it was so fucking unnecessary. Like you you wrote him off TV last week. Why are we doing this? If you're watching this, I'm most likely dead video. Like, I don't. <laughs> Like, I don't get it. Like, it just, I don't know. It, it felt almost like too, like, self-important. Like, we needed to tie up a loose end that didn't really uh-huh. need to, like, you know, be tied up. Like, I understand Regal meant a lot to this storyline, but hmm. he his tenure with the company is rather short. So I don't need a good buy from him, especially with this asinine excuse attached to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I, I did this all for you, Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, one, I knew you would never let me go, so I had to stab you in the back and cost you the championship. Uh, and I wanted to teach Max a lesson to be careful what you know what you ask for by handing him the fucking championship. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I want to teach you one final lesson to, you know, never turn your back on anyone as I'm laying in the hospital after I turn my back on Max. Like, I was like, what? What's happening here? Why? (laughs) I don't don't know. It, It felt like a weird, like, goodbye from one of those early sitcoms where it's like they fired one of the actors and they wanted to give him, like, one last shot. Oh before you know dropping them from the show like i get it you know like i understand like tony being a nice guy and it's cool that you know he was able to give regal you know his release so he could go work with the son the one caveat was that you know he can't be featured on wwe tv for a year um you know because khan did have um, the option to pick up his contract for another additional two years. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you don't need to give him this kind of like send off. Cause I don't feel like it was really warranted, especially since this almost feels like his third, like send off. Cause if you think about it, like the interaction between him and Moxley almost felt like they're writing him off, you know, the show. Like where Moxley told them to, you know, walk away and don't come back. A lot of people were questioning mm-hmm. at that point, like, is this the last time we're seeing Regal? Is something going on? That's when the rumors started really, you know, coming out. Um, and then like the next week we see him, you know, get stabbed in the back by MJF. So I was like, okay, well now he's definitely written off the show, right? Um, and then all of a sudden he pops up here. Like <laughs> <laughs> 
I do, and like with the most asinine fucking reasoning I've heard in uh-huh. a long time on a wrestling show, which is saying a lot. Um, you know, it almost feels like Tony as a writer has lost confidence where he just keeps on trying to like fix mistakes, you know, mm. based on other people's like critiques, maybe. Because I was like, why? Why is this so drawn out? Like, just be done and move on. You know, the sooner you can move on, the better. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. This wasn't a good look for the company, though. And here's the thing that I really don't understand. During the Ring of Honor um, Q&A that Tony did with the press, Tony apparently knew about Regal leaving in September. Like, he put in the request in September. And I don't know if that's when he decided to, you know, at the end of the year to let Regal walk away. But if that's the case, why isn't this hashed out better? Like, why is this? Like, I I don't don't understand, like, featuring someone who's leaving your company so heavily in the main event storyline. Like, at that point, like, with that amount of time, like, every minute, small detail should be completely, like, hashed out. Um, This didn't feel like a very well laid plan um so i don't know man just because that's that's since all out yes you know that's i don't get it i don't get it like that timeline can't be right you know maybe he misspoke or something like that like maybe regal approached him about being released but he didn't you know agree to it till you know just a couple weeks ago or something like that Mm -hmm. so it's just bizarre to me I mean, I wish the best for Regal. I mean, he's getting to do what he loves, which is, you know, probably go back to scouting talent, you know, and working with his son, which is cool. Um, And like I said, it's awesome that, you know, Tony's doing that, you know, for him. But at the same time, like it does set kind of a precedence, you know, for other talents. But he did he did address that, I guess, during the, you know, little press conference thing where he said that, you know, this was kind of the exception to the rules. So. Um, I don't know. Sure, we'll uh-huh. see. It's like maybe, maybe he'll give a good word to Triple H for me, and we can start working together. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it just sometimes it just doesn't pay to be a nice guy in business. Mm. So, and I think sometimes Tony's a little too much of a nice guy. But anyway, join us next week as we recap AEW's Winter's Coming. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Want to support the show further? 
you can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Archaeologist. You gotta get out of the library!